Hello and welcome to the next episode of the Enterprise Doctor Business Show. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. If you're a new listener, then I hope you enjoy this episode. And this episode is featuring Anne Bach of Orhub. And I'd like to start by saying welcome, Anne. Hello there. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Life is chugging along at this end of the Zoom call. I am interested by names. So the surname is Bach, sort of pronounced like the composer. Yeah, I'm Scottish, so it's Bach. Um, we, uh, we definitely have Bach. Uh, but it's, I think it's originally Welsh or German. I married into it, so yeah. And so not your responsibility. But I'm actually more interested in the company name, which is Orhub. And when I first heard that, my brain spelt it O-R. And I thought, well, what's that then? But it's not. It's spelled A-W-E. And that's two separate words? Yeah. So yeah. O stands for a winning edge. Oh, oh, it's an acronym. I thought it was sort of short mm. for awesome and that kind of or. Well, we can have that as well. But yeah, no, it stands for a winning edge. Yeah. Lovely. Okay, a winning edge. And that does sort of lead me neatly into asking the question, so what does Orhub do? And clearly it's something to do with a winning edge. And clearly I know because we've chatted. <laughs> but for the, uh, for the sake of the listeners, tell us about what Orhub does. We're based in sports, so we have different elements. But Orhub came about because we wanted to help sports people be able to support themselves and move forward while they were competing. So there's a sports part where we look after the management of them and we look after their well-being and uh, make sure that they are able to compete at their very best. And then we're also able to take that winning edge element into helping support businesses. So we take all the thinking that we would give to sports people and we translate that and put that into courses, etc., for business folk. I can see immense sense in that is the background from the sports world or from the business world are you taking business skills and helping sports people to to be better or are you coming from the sport world and, and helping business people to do that i've come from the sports world so i started out as a sports psychologist and um working with the likes of GB teams and British athletes and taking folk to world championships, which is all very exciting. Um, so yeah, it's definitely come from sport. Yeah. Okay. So how did you get into that? Were you, did you clearly, um, um, you, you have a psychology qualification. You can't be the person you are without that kind of thing, but were you a sporty type as well? Were you, did you perform? Definitely. Yeah. Okay. What was your Yeah, definitely. So I, I came from a sports, uh, I started out as a PE teacher. So okay. always been involved in sport right from early, early age, uh, played up to a good level for myself. And okay. it was just fascinated how the thinking that athletes have and just that mindset is what I believe creates the difference between somebody who's very good and a champion. I always find it really disappointing when I listen to the commentary of a sporting event and something where people are not team events, people are directly competing against each other. And they always say about the winner, it justifies and it shows the effort they put in over the years, the sacrifices they've made, the total commitment to their sport, all of that, that stuff, which is true. And I think, yeah, 
but the guy that came second was equally committed and did all of the same stuff and may well be your client or talk to somebody like you as well and they've they've done their best but it's just that somebody else was a little bit better from a sports psychology point of view how do you how do you talk to the person who came second there's different ways before before you go into competitions before you go into any kind of competitive state you have an expectation you've set yourself a goal you've set some kind of level you want to achieve for some folk getting on a podium is is the goal so whether you come first second third that's an amazing achievement to to reach a final might be an amazing achievement to reach if you're in a team game reaching semi-finals whatever it is so there's been some reason behind setting that that goal the actual winner quite often yet everything has come together on that day everything has worked so that the mental side has worked the physical side has worked worked the preparation the execution of the plan, et cetera, et cetera. For the second and third, it might be that all of that's happened, but there's one element that they're maybe not quite at the same level as the person that came first or something didn't work as well. So there's always ways to be able to, we just learn the lesson. We look at it, take the lessons, and we move forward to the next part. That all makes sense to me. I'm very competitive. And mm-hmm. um, I'm not really interested in coming second. And there are things that I do where I absolutely know I'm not going to win. You know, I play squash. I come off a squash court sweaty and having given the proverbial 110%. But I don't win that often because I'm not that good. So I, I understand about tempering my goals. My goal is to do my best. But surely when you're up there, sort of at the top you're in the olympics you make it into the final is 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 setting a goal of finishing on the podium good enough there's different parts of goals isn't there so if we looked at um there's there's almost three parts of goals you have an outcome goal which would be finishing the race first you have a performance goal which might be you want to do it in x amount of time and then you have a process goal which would be to do with the elements that make it up. Now, the only bit that you actually have any control over is the process goal, because that's the bit where you can actually put in the skills, the elements, the techniques to actually create the performance, which will give you the time, which will create the outcome, for example, first, second, third. So you could have executed the most perfect process where you have taken all the elements for example a 100 meter race you've started perfectly you've pushed off the blocks amazingly you've had that perfect drive face you've come up into your running stance you're running down you're pushing towards the last uh, few meters you dip at the line you've crossed over the line and you feel amazing Usain, however, <laughs> is a <laughs> meter ahead of you. Yeah, and nice at that point, yeah. you have still executed your perfect race. And you've possibly had a PB, you've taken a national record, et cetera, et cetera, but you've still come second. Yeah. And it's very, very difficult in that, in that case to be able to look at that as anything apart from, you know, you did amazing in that race. You've pushed everything you've done better than you've ever done in your life before 
However, you've still not come first. Yeah. So you see a lot of very happy, happy silver medalists, don't you? You do. You do. And you see, you, know, you also see some gutted silver medalists. Yes. And I think now I have a, uh, I, I clearly understand the gutted. Um, I think maybe now I have a better understanding of why people are delighted to be in the bronze medal position. And I have to say, I, I have been listening carefully to what you've been saying, but in the back of my mind, with everything that you've been saying, the word business has been floating past me. This is, after all, a, a business podcast. And pretty much everything you said, I would guess, translates into the business world. And there are times, if you're talking about the goal being getting a specific contract, there's no silver medal. You know, the, the client yeah. awards a contract to, to one supplier. And if you're not that one, then you might as well be last. In fact, you'd probably be better off being last because you won't have invested all the effort in the, the final stages after the heats, to continue the analogy. What sort of skills are there that you help sports people to acquire and build and hone to enable them to succeed in whatever way they define the word success? What, what skills are there that you think directly cross over into the business world? It's interesting what you were saying there about if you're going for a contract and if you've not got the contract, you're basically in last place. So one of the the best skills that we, we teach sports people is reflection, to be able to review what they've done. Because once you're able to reflect and review and to take out the elements that you have done well, the elements that you haven't gone to plan, and then look at, well, what will you change for next time? That takes out a lot of the emotion out of any of these kind of analysis. So it allows you to, to look at all the elements that have gone on and there will be elements that have worked really well. Even if you've given a fantastic pitch and not got the contract, there might have been elements you've done really, really well. However, there might be a couple of bits that you go, actually, that didn't go to plan or I would change that for next time or I will know more about this next time, which allows you to then change the plan for what, what you're going into next. It could be your next race. It could be your next game or next uh, game against a, a club or a team or it could be your next uh, contract or presentation so it allows you to strip away some of that emotion when you are assessing reviewing reflecting and then allowing you to plan for the next stage I like that. I like the idea of reflection and whenever in the business world I haven't quite done what I set out to do I think I do go through that reflection process but actually it's almost a subconscious thing but but proactively deciding it's now nine o'clock I've got in my diary a half an hour to reflect on what could I have done differently that might have had a different outcome is is that it's sort of setting that up as a proactive thing is that the right way to go about it I'd say so. Yeah, I think I'm not saying take emotion out of this because you, you can't help but see emotion come from success, defeat, all that, all the different elements of it. And I think that's really important because that emotion is part of the driving force. However, the reflection part 
I think works much better when you do, you almost um, turn it down at that point or, or put it on mute so that it allows you to just be much more objective and then that allows you to put that plan in for the next stage and then infuse that emotion back into it. And I would say even actually it's a fantastic thing to be able to do daily, no matter if you're a sports person, business person, no matter where you are, it's a great routine or it's a great habit to be able to put in at the end of every day. What went as planned? What didn't go as planned? What will I do differently next time? So it allows you to always be honing those fine points. I think champions and the very top people, it's all about creating that 1% or that nth degree. And if we can always be upping things, it's the aggregate of marginal returns, the likes of uh, Sir Clive Woodward and Sir Dave Brailsford uh, talked about those. And it's those tiny, tiny little adjustments that we can make that allow us to, to hone what we're doing and just to take us to that next level aggregate of marginal returns i've i've written that down that will appear in the podcast notes i think it's a uh, a very useful expression for business people and clearly for for sports people as well we talked a bit about the the guy that, the, or the girl that came second third didn't make the podium whatever what about the winner i have a perception which may or may not be true that there are sports people out there who get to the very very top they win the gold at the olympics they're they they win the world cup final in football or whatever it may be they and their team do and then they just go right off the boil because they've sort of done it when you are the top when you got that big contract when you smashed every sales record related to your industry you know whatever that definition of success is and you've achieved it how, how do you keep going and how do you keep going at that same standard you talk about the aggregate of marginal returns if i can't improve because i am the best how do i stay the best They've always got to have that big hairy goal, I like to call it. <laughs> just got to be okay. that huge goal that they want to achieve. And actually, there's going to be certain points where they achieve the dream. And that's where they've got to look in and go, right, is there more? Is there more I want to achieve? So you look at your Federers of the world to win a Grand Slam or to win a Grand Slam tournament is one thing. To win 18, to then be better than the next person, to bypass or to move past the next best person that was ahead of you and then suddenly to become the best in the world, the best ever possibly. There's still got to be something else. So it could be at that point they want to achieve six Wimbledon championships, so they want to then make it seven or eight. If they've never won on, or if they've only won once at, at the French at Roland Garros, then they've got to, they might want to look at making it three times before they retire. There's still got to be something, something there that still allows them to get up every single day and train at the level they need to train at to be able to compete at the level. Because you can still maybe want to achieve that level, but unless you've got that drive to still be the best, to still train at the best level, to still work and keep those standards high then that's when I think they, they just need to retire because at that point the 
frustration and the just how much they'll start beating themselves up then just becomes too too much and at that stage it's it's then that it's that tipping point almost isn't it so that's when you'll you'll suddenly get an, an athlete or a sports person possibly at a strange point during the season just go right that's it I've had enough but there's going to have been something that tips them over that edge that just means that they go do you know my priorities have changed here I cannot put the energy and the effort and the time into what I wanted to do because it just doesn't mean the same anymore I'm finding it really interesting right now you're doing you're saying all those things clearly with in your brain is sport and I'm listening to all of those things and in my brain is business the parallels are really interesting because the same applies in in both spheres and I do wonder I do wonder what it's like to be Bill Gates and what it's like to be Warren Buffett, but that's a a different story. But just from a defining and achieving success perspective, it depends how you define what is at the top of the game in, in the business world. But there are some definitions of success where Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, people like that are the top of their game Richard Branson perhaps um Alan Sugar the the list is endless why do they get up in the morning is it to make another million or another billion you know it's it's I guess that they have to have a different definition of success to their earlier days yeah absolutely it it evolves the purpose might be the same so the purpose might still be to be the best or to um to help people or to make a difference or to empower the world or whatever it is especially from a business point of view they might have that still still have that same purpose however the actual what what it's wrapped up as or what it looks like will have evolved as they go forward because every time you reach the summit of a hill the chances are there's probably an two or three new summits that you can see from the top of there. And if you were just to sit at the top of that one summit, then, you know, it's, it possibly will be lovely. However, for the really driven and for the really success focused, they've already got the eye on the next summit and they're ready to look at all the challenges that entails and to see what else they need to to do or be or become in order to reach that next summit. So I think that works for sport and business. Absolutely. And I like you use the word summit. I often talk to clients about climbing Everest and and sometimes their goals are the parallel would be to climb Everest. And they're a startup they're they're beginning they're they're a long way from climbing Everest so what we do is we talk about so how do you get to Nepal and where is base camp what does base camp look like and and by all means focus on Everest but actually there are steps towards doing that and I just wonder whether when firstly the first question is do you work with sports people more at the beginning of their career clearly to engage with someone like you they've got to be showing some talent and getting some support but but are they do you work with people who are perhaps thinking of Everest whereas actually getting in the England team never mind the GB team is where they should be focusing I tend to work with folk that believe that they've got the potential to climb Everest. 
they might be climbing in the peaks at the moment. <laughs> so that they're they're aiming for for those those kind of levels, but in their head they know that they've got the ability, the drive, the focus, whatever it takes for those few people to get to the top of Everest. Because we remember not everybody gets to the top of Everest. However, a lot more folk will get to base camp, a lot more folk will get to Kathmandu, a lot more folk will get to Nepal. So we've got to at least have that aim or that dream that you're going to climb Everest. Uh, otherwise, yeah, if, if they're probably just aiming for the top of Scarfell, which is a fantastic aim to have, yes. then I think there's amazing, amazing folk out there. That's maybe not my baby. <laughs> I, lo- I, love, I love the Everest folk as well. <laughs> yeah, I get that. I get that. And you know, talking about the people you work with, you work with business people as well. Do you use these yeah. sporting um, analogies and these sporting lessons? I do. I absolutely do. Because I think sometimes we can get very bogged down with uh, either frustration or guilt or hang-ups or whatever. So to be able to almost detach yourself from that emotion um, by taking them into another world that they understand, like an analogy. And I think sport is an amazing analogy. You get to see excellence in action. However, you also get to see when folk fall down, when they trip over, when they uh, miss the ball, when they miss the goal, when they, whatever it is they, they're, they're doing is very, very visible. So to be able to help a business person see that world, it means that they, they get to not be so affected by their emotions and their foibles almost allows them to see it more clearly and then we put it back into the context of their world. So I I do, I think it's a fantastic way to help folk be able to just see things from, again, that less emotional point of view and then put it back into their world. Yeah, and presumably the the business people that you work with and enjoy working with, want to work with, are the ones who want eventually to climb Everest or, or at least the, uh, the business equivalent of, of climbing Everest, but also people who understand that they can't do that on their own. Absolutely. I mean, you look at every top sports person that's ever been successful, they've got a team around them. You know, you've got your, again, I go back to your Federer's and Nadal's, your Djokovic's, your Andy Murray's. They, I mean, Andy's Andy's team has got this fantastic group of folk that have evolved and some of them have stayed and some of them have moved on, etc. But he could not step out as an individual player onto that, onto that court without that group of people, without that team of people in the background. I think business people are exactly the same that we are very, very good at certain things. And once we recognize what those are, and we also recognize what we maybe aren't as keen on, aren't as good at, what takes up brain space when actually we'd be much better in our flow doing the things that we're very, very good at, then we can start to build our own dream team around us. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. I have found this really, really interesting. Thank you, Anne, for sharing with us. I hope and and I expect that listeners have found it really interesting as well. You're quite an inspiring speaker. I feel motivated and galvanized. I want to look at my goals now and see if they're stretching enough and think about my team. What support do I have? How am I going? That's exciting get yeah i know i'm i'm motivated so thank you for that um thank you for 
being on the show. I, I hope you found it interesting and useful as well. I really enjoyed it. Thank you very much for having me on. Good. My, my pleasure. If people do want to get in touch with Anne, that's Anne Bach of, did you notice the throat there? Anne Bach. Uh, very good. Do I get a gold star for that? Anne, <laughs> you do. That's Anne Bach from Or Hub. Then all of her contact details are in the podcast notes, as indeed are mine. If you want to get in touch with me to talk about the show, to talk about the potential for you to be a guest on the show, perhaps to talk about the coaching and mentoring that I do, then I will be very happy to hear from you on any of those things. But for now and until the next time, I'm going to say thanks for listening. This is Mark Harris of Enterprise Doctor signing off. Thank you.